My guest today is returning to the OGM podcast. Her previous appearances dealt with her work as a private citizen about a road on a planning map through the Dune Pioneer Park area. And she appeared another time to talk about her work on preserving the governor's house and county jail. She was a City of Kitchener Councillor for three years, representing the Dune Pioneer Park Ward from 1997 to 2000, before she moved to Regional Council, representing Kitchener as a Regional Councillor from 2000 to 2014, when she decided to retire her unique diamond-shaped election signs. She was recently recognized by the Lieutenant Governor for heritage work and received the Lieutenant Governor's Ontario Heritage Award for Lifetime Achievement, although she still has lots to do yet. I feel like I'm welcoming royalty today. I'm pleased to welcome back my friend and former seatmate when we both served on the Grand River Conservation Authority, Jean Halboom. Jean, welcome to the show. Good morning, Rob. So your your third appearance. So that's a, that's a, you know you're you're an exclusive club with people like uh, Ken Sealing and and Brian Stortz. Oh my! <laughs> so Jean, you know uh, we had some great shows talking about what you did before, and we've said uh, we were going to get back together because you know the show is really about municipal politics. And while those two earlier shows talked about your interactions with politicians as you were doing what you were doing uh, from the grassroots roots perspective at some point you decided you wanted to be on the other side of the table well that's true but i don't think i left the grassroots because that's why i ran and that that was my platform yeah so so tell me about that so you're you know you're doing your stuff in the community and uh you decide to run in the 1997 municipal election what what drove you to that decision it just so happened that um there was um, a, a reworking of the wards, like the boundaries. And so there was a new ward created uh, for our area, namely the Dune Pioneer Park Ward. And um, knowing it well and having retired from education, um, I uh, thought, well, let's give it a go because there are many issues that will be facing our ward, the new ward, like development, land development, and um, the preservation of the area and the community. So I gave uh, it a go. So why don't you uh, uh, just tell us for a second, what, what you know, the, the ward that you're in, what are the unique heritage environmental aspects of that area? I'm not sure if a lot of people really recognize what's, what you have there. It's a bit of a jewel. So, Dune uh, goes back to the early 1800s. It was one of the, um, and I will say, Pioneer Tower area. Dune, Pioneer Tower area. uh, Pioneer Park came about in 1969. But um, the old area, it was in the former Waterloo Township. And then when uh, um, county government ceased to exist, uh, we now have... um, uh, regional government and Dune was absorbed into the city of Kitchener. But right. uh, okay, so I, I'm going to just say what I said 
to the people in 1997 when it ran. But okay. It's rich with historic sites, woodlands and vistas. It is a friendly, community-minded uh, resident group. Um, we have, and then we have intensive growth, um, which we need to be mindful of how that evolves. But really, um, it, the jewel of it too, Rob, it goes back to for 10,000 years to the date of Wisconsin and Glacier, because right. Pinnacle Hill, and I'm sure when you're coming down the 401 on um, the Highway 401 and you want yeah. to go, you'll see the big hill. And that was the read. Um, we often forget to uh, highlight the geological history and that was that was one of the the three i'll say the three maybe the three sisters cousins because right. chickpea was formed on that and ah. so the baden hill and then we have the valleys and then we have um like wetlands and environmentally sensitive areas right, as a right. result. So, but we, so, but we yeah, go, go ahead, back, sorry we go back to um, you know the twine industry in the 1850s that was here, uh, the first successful flax mill in Upper Canada, um, the tilt farm. Those of you who are buying <laughs> eggs these days want to find they're still farming up the road. Right. So it's that kind of stuff we need to preserve. Yeah, I mean, you just unloaded a whole lot of things there because I just wanted to point out, you know, a lot of people will think of you with physical heritage, but you also have a deep appreciation for the environmental, uh, culturally significant heritage uh, features of our community as well. But, um, and you mentioned the twine, doesn't your house have some connection to that as well? <laughs> I was saying this was M.B. Perrine's last hurrah in which I live. Um, the, the Prime Brothers came up from uh, New York State uh, in the, with the intention of um, uh, growing flax and then having a flax mill set up and um, then twine out of that. And, um, and, that, and so our house um, was, uh, yes, was the last one built right. by Brian, the founder of uh, Dune Twines. So, so Gene, just before you decided to run in '97, though, you were you were involved in various organizations in the community too, right? Uh, very heritage conservation type yes. organizations. Like, can you just tell us a few? Yeah. Um, in particular, we have um, in our heritage conservation district, which I worked on that. Um, through the Heritage Committee at the city. Um, we have in our area the birthplace of Homer Watson, a uh, uh, landscape artist, yes. uh, Canada's first. <laughs> and um, and then uh, we have the gallery where he painted. Um, Homer Watson took over the uh, ferry, Adam Ferry, who founded uh, Dune, started with which is now in lower dune uh and we had a big mill complex there um so homer watson house and gallery i i worked on that to get it preserved right. uh, and um what else oh i'm just trying to think scenic roads um i worked with uh, the group over in carondale to um, identify and have those, um, it's 12 kilometers of uh, right. 
trail like smaller roads. Kind of uh, road. I remember this scenic road concept. When I was mayor in North Dumfries, they would talk about scenic roads in different areas uh, that had some particular heritage significance, like a stretch of county road or country road and uh mm -hmm. yeah so that, that that is interesting um at the time that you decided to run uh, uh mike harris was the premier of the province at the time and so i guess there was various turmoils with that that got you interested in running um i don't think i was uh basing my running on on that on uh, what was happening um, at that time. However, once I was elected, and I will say the next three years, hmm. to me, there was a, a lot of turmoil because, um, and it was very unsettling in my opinion, because, um, and the staff, I felt, had low morale because they didn't know whether they were coming or going. Yeah, yeah. And we'll we'll get to that in a sec. I just want to go back to you deciding to run. So what what was the what was the tipping point for you in deciding to run for uh, to be a city councillor? It was just uh, looking at our environment, uh, looking at the potential development that was to come about and observing how development was happening um and i really felt strongly that we needed to be mindful of our small communities um and and dune in particular and also um it, that we blend our old and new communities much better and so that that was my my issue uh, my <laughs> Yeah, so I just want to ask you just briefly on the actual election campaign. So this is so this is a new ward. There's no incumbent, right? No, no uh, prior councillor was stepping in to run in this particular ward. Is that correct? Uh, <laughs> no resident councillor. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but you, you never know when there's uh, adjustments. Sometimes people's boundaries change. But uh, you you, uh, you came up with your. Uh, I remember your diamond sign. Which is basically, isn't it just a square sign tilted? <laughs> That's your diamond sign idea. Is that something you used right from the very beginning of your campaigns? Right from the very beginning. Right from the very beginning. And okay. also, too, um, I, I like to think of the message on the sign. It was mm -hmm. clear, uh, uncluttered, and um, the significant um, points on the sign. Yes. <laughs> so, um, and and what was the reasoning for tilting it? Was it just to stand out in the crowd, that sort of thing? Um, I I take issue when you say tilting it. Okay, I apologize. <laughs> Creating the diamond sign. <laughs> it was a diamond. It was a diamond. I, yes. <laughs> and um, anyway, um, it, it's important. I feel that. Uh, you have to be able to distinguish your name uh, from all the hundreds of other signs that are going to be put up at the same time. Right, right, right. Well, Jean, I always tell everyone you're a diamond in the rough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking you for that again. <laughs> so tell me about um, uh, the the campaign. Was it uh, like, uh, you know, uh, campaigns with door knocking, the pamphlets? How did you communicate and get out to the community that you were running and, and meeting people? Yeah, 
a lot of door, it was door knocking. Uh, it was distributing my pamphlets. I, um, I had uh, lots of uh, helpers from uh, my volunteer activities and my people from education and uh, um, friends groups that I had and family. And um, so um, it, it was uh, because at that time you didn't have a big, um, you know, like Twitter and Facebook and social media, right. Right. Pre-social media. Yes. Yeah, I didn't like that. And, uh, but uh, I had a lot of personal contacts Yes. in the mall. And it was a smaller ward. Uh, I, uh, Pioneer tower at that time was also in included in the okay. ward. You, you uh, didn't have social media, but you had team how boom. <laughs> I did have that. Yes. Okay. That's great. So now, and you were running against uh, how many people? One other person. Okay. So, okay. Um, so election night you win. Now you're on council. Tell me about your experience on city council. <laughs> um well, it's very interesting, and um, you will find that all the things you had in mind <laughs> that you're going to do um, might not match the agenda that uh, has already been established before you. But right. um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, of course, there are committees that you uh, will sit on, and um, it, <laughs> also to. Uh, the experience, no one can imagine the, the bundle of papers that come to you on a Friday night in preparation for the Monday meetings, uh, which had to do with um, public yeah. work. Back and then, Gene, yeah, now, you know, it, it comes in what's called e-scribe, so it's all on a notebook, so you don't get, <laughs> so it gets sent to you, uh, it, it's not paper anymore. Yeah. But, but I just want to jump back, though, because yeah. it, something very important you, you, you talked about, which is, you know, you're campaigning on ideas and uh, yeah. a platform, so to speak, of things you'd like to do. And you mentioned, you know, you get there and people forget you're, get, you're arriving on a council that has, for the most part, people that have been there at least for one term before you or two terms before you. And they already have an agenda that's been established from all that work, right? That's right. And um, and staff uh, already have uh, have their plans in place based on the the desires of those former counselors and wishes uh, what they have brought from the people. And and well, also, too, you have to consider that um, each one of these counselors comes with a bucket of wishes based yeah. on the board uh and how does that get work to the work to the top which is um quite when a we job were, when we were talking earlier you you said to me uh, when i asked you about your experience on kitchener council you said you need to know that you're a newbie true and, true. and i think that's what this is what we're talking about is uh you can come with all sorts of brim and vinegar or whatever the saying is, but I think you need to park it a little bit, don't you? That's true. And uh, you probably have to get to know the other counselors and, um, you know, I, I, to be frank, I will say 
environmental uh, ideas, uh, like um, uh, say with wetlands, environmentally sensitive areas, uh, uh, roads, uh, sensitivity, and how we put roads through neighborhoods and that, uh, I did not feel they were top of the agenda um, with many of my colleagues. Well, yeah, I mean, many of your colleagues would have been uh, were there any other women on council when you got elected? Um, yes, there was uh, Councillor Wiley, who had been there quite a while from the uh, Westmount area. Right. And, and then uh, there was uh, another um, uh, female who had been newly elected from the downtown area. Mm -hmm. So was there anything in particular that you tried to advance early on in, the, in your time on council in Kitchener? I um, I just don't recall. It just seems to me that a lot of time was absorbed in how we might function if we were if if we were as a city were to disappear and we were to become one community, like one. Yeah, big yeah. I'll talk to you about that in a sec. Yeah, that, that's an important topic for sure, and we're going to talk about that. But I was just just curious more about the dynamic in terms of the people that you're. The, the other counselors that you're interacting with and what was the reception like to some of your ideas? Well, there was one win and that had to do with um, uh, the uncovering of a structure out in Pioneer Tower, yeah. uh, wood log structure and uh, trying to get that saved because of heritage. Uh, and um, uh, <laughs> thanks to a few of my um acquaintances who uh, were quite the supporters of other of a, one or two other uh, counselors who kind of put the heat on and uh, I, uh, I was able to get that uh, structure saved then and, and purchased by the city to be rebuilt. Re, uh, um, but other which structure yeah. what structure was that? Um, it was a um, I believe over in Pioneer Tower it's the bar like there's a the remnants of a barn that is over on the edge, and it's part of a a, a, a ruin over there now. And readers, okay. yeah, not the whole barn, yeah. But you, but you point out you had to use some arm twisting and some sort of quote lobbying to, yeah, to get it done because it would probably you weren't you didn't have the votes to start. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, who would want who would want to spend tax dollars on it? <laughs> An old barn, you know, or, or an old or an old bunker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I think too. Um, you know, uh, I had a different opinion about signs. <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah, signs. Tell tell me about that signs. You you yeah. said something about the signs that uh, that bugged you about signs along the road, but we're yeah. not talking about election signs. No, and I I just want to say, Rob. In my opinion, it has been a lost opportunity for any newcomers to the election fold. Um, and it, uh, as my colleague Sean Strickland had pointed out uh, year, uh, before I retired, that how many weeks really in four years' time does putting up signs occur? I know. Okay, but we're segueing. I want to talk about what you did back in the day. <laughs> I'm saying that. The election sign, I'm going to say this, that I really feel 
it was one way to say election time is here yeah. and get out and vote. But um, all I right, the thing about signs, uh, I just had so much difficulty when um, there would be a, a plaza owner or a commercial owner right. and, and they would go to the committee of adjustment and ask for a, a minor variance to their sign, meaning height. And so the height is 10 feet, but no, they would say 15, 18 feet high. And to me, I, um, I looked at places like Niagara-on-the-Lake. I look at places like Stratford um, and where you have uh, sign design and um, you don't have these signs all over uh, along the road. So they have, think about your plaza. The commercial, they have a sign right. out on the road and it states all the uh, businesses that are in there. Yeah. And then you go in the plaza and there are big signs in each building and yet they need signs in the, in the plaza. <laughs> well, okay. So, so you're talking about what we would call maybe what sign pollution or something like that. I mean, for, from your perspective, <laughs> were, were you able to make some changes or bring about some changes with respect to that? No, I wasn't. And, and it was quite offensive to many of these, I guess, commercial owners that, that felt, well, we're not Stratford and we're not Niagara on the lake. And uh, like, and, and um, my colleagues were, the majority of them were quite sympathetic to, to their to businesses. It's needed for business. Right. So, so just to explain this, so what happens is committee of adjustments would be uh, some people from the community who sit on as a committee to hear a request for a variation on a an existing bylaw, like a signed bylaw, and the committee of adjustments may approve or disapprove, and their decision then came to you as a counselor to counsel for final approval. Uh, yes, at the time, that's the way. Yeah, at the time. <laughs> Yeah. And so as you were sitting at that council table and yeah. these matters would come before you, maybe committee of adjustments approved that 15 foot sign where it only said 10 foot, you would try to get it changed, but you, you weren't successful in getting a majority of your fellow councillors to support your position. That's true. And also uh, you realize with each uh, proposal, uh, a staff report comes forward and right. it's based on the signed bylaw. And um, so the signed bylaw, in my opinion, was being constantly broken. Right. So it's almost why I have a bylaw. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do free for all. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> let me ask you, though. So while you weren't as successful on the sign bylaw or sign, sign changes, uh, yeah. how, you must have been doing a lot of heritage work at the time when you're at city council. Uh, that's true, because I was chair of the heritage kitchener. Yeah. yeah, so tell us about some of the things you were able to get accomplished uh, in that position. Well, let me see. <laughs> uh, um, this, um, all right. Uh, one of the, um, the um, buildings, uh, it's the pumping station um, at, um, I'm trying to think, if you take Homer Watson to the end and you come to Sterling, um, and you swing around, there's a, a regional pumping station. Yeah, is it Greenbrook or whatever? Yeah, and so uh, that one was designated. Um, we, uh, let me see, I'm trying to think. Um, How about any conservation heritage districts while you were uh, 
Chair? Thank you uh, for reminding me. Yes. One of the ones uh, that I felt very strongly about was St. Mary's Heritage Conservation District. That's the wartime district. And yes, all those little homes by the hospital. Yeah, but the, the beauty of that district is that they were built around parquets and, right. and narrow little streets. And there are two major styles that you will, house styles that are in that area. Uh, in fact, um, Canada, um, the Canada Post had one, uh, one of their posters and uh, a stamp commemorating, I guess, veterans and the wartime housing. And, uh. and this sample would be on that. Um, a heritage planner from London came over and sat down with our heritage planner. We went around and he said, I can't believe everything is so intact here. Mind you, like it's so intact. It's just so, and, and so I did work on on that one, and we managed to get it in place. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I hope you have one because even when I was mayor, I got one done. I couldn't have more than Gene Halboom, <laughs> <laughs> and also uh, out in um, uh, like in Bridgeport, um, there were oh, yeah. Bridgeport. There was um, a hog. I think it was one or two houses that we, properties that we designated there. Right, right. Okay. Um, So at some point, though, uh, you you mentioned uh, the turmoil uh, that was being caused by the province for your three years while you're on uh, uh, Kitchener Council. And and I'm guessing this is all about whether there's going to be amalgamation or not. Is that? That's true. That's true. And the, the dynamics are quite interesting. Um, I, I don't well, there, know. There was a lot going on. I mean, you had John, it wasn't John Sweeney doing a, a review or a report um, uh, as well. And, 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 and that was just sort of around the same time and a lot of discussion about whether there would be amalgamation or not. I'm sorry, that one, um, uh, I, I don't recall. I just okay. Re- just tell me what you recall then. Sorry. I re- I recall the many meetings that uh, all the councils of all the communities uh, came together. Uh, in particular, I can't recall how much participation there was in the part of the townships, but I do recall. Uh, well, actually, yes, there was. They were the councillors were there uh, and i do recall there was <laughs> were intense discussions with um kitchener cambridge and waterloo and and um interestingly enough i had no idea but the standards for engineer engineering standards are very different uh for say renewal for pipes <laughs> which bring oh. the water and take the sewage and all that kind of thing from one municipality, one urban municipality to another. Right. And who is going to, you know, whose standards would be adopted? Right, uh, right. Who's going to, who's going to uh, take care of the debt that would be created? And uh, <laughs> one of the things you will recall, um, the Rim Park. Um, yes, fiasco. And there was so much concern about uh, who was going to absorb that uh, debt or that money. And um, interestingly, it was pointed out that 
the taxpayer would not be on the line for anything. So, so there was a lot of, so this was, these discussions were happening because there was a belief that, that the provincial government was going to be enforcing amalgamation or why were these discussions happening? Do you recall that? Uh, Yes. uh, My recollection was, and others who are on the council, if they hear me, they say, well, no, no, that's not the way. Uh, This is your podcast. (laughs) This is your, do you tell us your recollection? Okay, my recollection was that uh, amalgamation was imminent because the um, Tories or PCs, they had been amalgamating these other municipalities. And so we were likely to be amalgamated as well. So so you want to be proactive and, and get ahead of the conversation. Yeah, it would seem that's what happened. And how did it, uh, so, so you're having these conversations, you're realizing there's a lot of, a lot of different parts to this, you know, there's different municipalities with different debt levels, there's different municipalities with different uh, levels of, as you say, engineering, waterworks, uh, sewer works, uh, what have you, uh, infrastructure uh, standards. Uh, so how, how did it all go? <laughs> Where did it go? <laughs> um, well, s- surprise, surprise. It uh, seemed that um, the PCs were losing candidates when they have by-elections. And so then there was a lull in this whole amalgamation. Ah. Uh, and uh, But uh, because the big claim was, and I'm sure if you read the papers of the day, too many politicians, just like you hear today, too yeah. many politicians, to all oh, we have to reduce the number of politicians, Oh, make it more efficient. Um, but my answer to that is it's representation by politicians, but you get bigger staff and so on. But what happened was, so <laughs> this is the way I interpret it. If it, they, if the province had to look like uh, they were downsizing number of politicians. So in our example, they uh, determined then that uh, count the councillors would run uh, and be directly elected, which would be the first for Kitchener, directly elected to either the region or the city. And right. you as a councillor had to choose, you know, if you're running for council, which would you choose? To okay, run well, we'll get, okay, I don't want to jump through yet because that was part of your decision-making for switching, but you're saying that all, yeah. out of all these conversations, one of the things was this whole concept of what we call a direct elect, which yes. is you're directly elected to either a city council or a regional council versus a double elect where you get elected to your city council and then the city councillors decide who's going to be their representative at the region. True. Now, on that, uh, were you the representative uh, during your time on Kitchener City Council at the region? No. And did you see that any opportunity for you being that under this double elect process? Unlikely. Unlikely. Okay. Knowing all that, that was one of your decisions in terms of deciding, why did you want to run for the region? Um, primarily because of all the, re, um, all the involvement with, um, shall we say, in land development and policies with respect to land development, uh, preservation of landscapes, um, 
and um, how we as a region are going to look in the future. Yeah. So, so yeah. So your experience, the things you were most interested in, you realized, if I could say that it's tougher to get those done just as a city of Kitchener counselor. And there's more opportunity as a regional Waterloo counselor. Sure. Because the region is a policy is the policy place and um, has big thinking. Whereas a city it's more local enforce those things or put out the regulations and so on. Yeah. And then- so Gene, just, just, I just want to just, uh, just tidy up something on the amalgamation issue. So once the, it be, once the, the uh, provincial government was losing seats, et cetera, I guess there was less of a motivation on their part to move ahead with any amalgamation. And that kind of, what did you say? Killed the conversation locally. Yes, I would say so. Uh, I would say so. And um, it lulled the conversation. Right. Okay. Lulled it is what you said. Yes. And and it's put it into rest for all these years. And now (laughs) And now there's rumbling again. And, and yes, yes, there's, there's uh, a movement in the universe. As, uh, I think Yoda would say something about that. But uh, okay, now you've decided you're going to leave the leave Kitchener City Council. You're going to run for the region. What was that like in terms of campaigning? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, well, um you know, it's 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 quite an eye opener. Um, I I still have my team of people, uh, and um, I with my work at the city. Um, and uh, as I I think I mentioned earlier that on the Friday night you would get the big package of material yeah. <laughs> to read. Monday. But over the weekends, there were many um, groups that you would have to go visit and events you would have to attend. And through that, I, I gained a, a big knowledge. And it was up to the counselors that they wanted to attend which events. And of course, I, I love to go out and meet the people. So I went to all the events and you got to know people from all across the city mm. and, and supporters. So Again, you know. So, so you had some profile. So because now you're running citywide as a regional counselor, right? It's not just in your ward. It's uh, all the wards, basically, like a mayor running for the city of Kitchener. Right. And and contrary to what's thought that, you know, heritage, oh, it's the, there are a lot of people that really appreciate heritage, really appreciate the, you know, the city and, and they, you know, really were upset about that city hall being demolished and right. and you know preservation we needed and um like green space was saving that and so uh i don't think i changed my platform at all right. i continued on with green in other words the environment and the heritage and and also to their you know safe water what are we going to do with sewage and and also accountability? Uh, don't blow your money uh, and and be mindful of how you spend your taxes. So I mean that wasn't my big issue, but it was there. Right, right. And so in two thousand, you get elected along with uh, 
I think it was Tom, Tom Galloway, Jeff Lorenz, and Jim Weidman from Kitchener. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about some of the things that you were focused on uh, when you, when you got there. So, because you, you know, you've got a little bit of experience because you spent three years in Kitchener, but you're, you know, but you're, but you're new to the regional table. So are you still a newbie or are you less a newbie? Um, I think because of all my heritage work and uh, having been the chair of the Water Regional Heritage Foundation, there were uh, initiatives where different parts of the region, like um, departments, would come from if it were for funding because the Heritage Foundation has funding. Well, it used to for different things. So one of the things was a scenic roads study done, right. and and so I knew a lot about the region and and roads and and you know how these um scenic cultural values came about um um and also with heritage uh the heritage planning advisory committee i, I was chair of that and and knew it and so i did have interaction with the planning commissioners quite a bit uh, uh, beforehand beforehand okay uh, and also to, um, I found it very easy to engage with the staff and the staff would say, you know, whatever you, you know, what, if you have something you'd like discussed or look for policy, please come forward. And there was, there was a welcoming. So did you, did you feel that? So that's interesting. Did you feel it? Because now, you, you know, you, you're at the, I was just say lower tier and now you're at the upper tier. You're at the, you know, urban municipality and now you're at the upper tier municipality. Did you have this welcoming feeling or sense or remark when you were at the city of Kitchener? Uh, maybe it had something to do with the design of the building like councils in, in the lower building and the staff is on the, in the other building. And then you have the, the link and the rotunda downstairs. And so it, it seemed um, staff had their area and council had their area. Oh, so you didn't have that. So this interaction uh, helped, uh, helped you integrate better or get to know staff better and, and collaborate better. Yeah, and, and uh, you're talking now about the region, are you, Rob? But well, I was just comparing. I was trying to get a sense of your comparison. Is that a comparison between the city of Kitchener and the region in terms of your interaction with staff? And, uh, um, also, too, maybe how it had had always... Um, I, I have no idea. All I know is that at the region... It was an enabling experience and staff, uh, I don't think they ever felt put upon or like there was um, mutual respect and um, it, it was, um, it, that was my experience. Yeah. And, yeah. and also, you know, it, it uh, well, I, I made it my business to go around and, and, to each floor in the region yes, yes. and and introduce myself and say, here's who I am and who are you and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's, that's good it, because there's a, there's a, I mean, it's very much a team approach, right? I mean, you have yeah. to, you, I mean, you campaign individually, but once you're elected, you're part of a team, which is not only the counselors, but it's the staff. And so you've, you've got to now develop that culture 
uh, amongst amongst each other. Sure, and and also too, you know, if if there was a situation where I thought, okay, this is problematic, and it, you had an idea of to whom you would speak, uh, and um, you know, di- dialogue. So, Gene, let me. I'm going to ask you this question. Um, you can answer it how you like, but did you ever feel? like uh you were the outsider to an old boys club or anything like that when you were coming in to the region uh to the city or the region anywhere uh not at it not to the region mm-hmm. not at all um uh, <laughs> at the at the city i will say it was um more so that way right right and but to be fair uh the, the these counselors may not have um, may not have perceived <laughs> that that's how they were interacting. No, fair enough. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I'm just asking. That was your perception of how things yeah. were. Uh, yeah. You know, look, there's lots of things that people have to overcome over time. I mean, th- yeah. that's that's the whole systemic nature of things that we have to try to recognize and see how we can make things better for others so that they don't feel like how you felt in those mm-hmm. situations, right? That's so. So we're not we're not casting. Uh, shame or blame or anything on anyone. It's just, uh, I was just curious what the feeling was like for you uh, when you were coming uh, on board. In 2000, this would be the first time that um, regional staff would experience directly elected councillors. Yeah. Whether it was Cambridge, Waterloo, Kitchener, and, and so on. And so I, I just recall that the, the uh, chief a person in the clerk's department coming and and just encouraging and welcoming us all. And so maybe because it was new, new grounds, just think even the regional chair, it was the first time the regional chair was directly elected. Was directly elected as well. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a very good point. And, and, and just on that uh, direct elect versus the double elect, I, I think the perception too was that even though you're elected as the regional councillor from Kitchener to regional council, um, it, it, the hope, I think, was that the people around the horseshoe would not be parochial in their views, but have a more expansive view of the region from a Kitchener or Waterloo or Cambridge or township lens, for example. I I believe uh, that's the way it pans out. And I would say, in my case, <clears throat> uh, I when uh, the educational job I had, uh, it took me um, to all the areas of the of the region or Waterloo County. So, right. so, right. so I I really knew, like I knew the townships um, with a farming background. I knew the rural uh, aspects. I knew people out there, uh, along with the cities, and so I, my background in my education work really took me to all those areas and, and exposed me to that along with the, having been a heritage foundation chair and heritage planning. So I had a really good concept of what um, all the areas were about. And I could empathize with the uh, other municipalities and right. as I said, the councillors wanted. Yes. I, found that really refreshing. 
So let me, uh, we, you know, we, we talked about one of your earlier podcasts that it was about a, a road on a, on a planning map. So I, I think um, you kind of mentioned that you, you, you kind of realized that a lot of planning decisions, uh, I'm not, I don't want to use the word key planning decisions, but I'll let you describe that, how you see fit. Um, do they happen at the region? Uh, the region is a major influence with respect to planning or what was your perception about that? Um. Oh, planning at the region, it's policy making. In other words, the building form we want, the formation, um, how we want um, traffic flow, uh, how we want uh, health and social services. Like it's an overview, it's a policy, it's big thinking. Like what do we want? What's our philosophy? And then the local tier, they... They do their um, specifics as to where these uh, where these roads will go. So, um, as far as the <laughs> the road on the map, the line, the one that was the line on the map through my neighborhood, that was a city decision, okay. not national decision. Like Homer Watson Boulevard, when it came about, it was a regional decision, right? And it it did play a bit of havoc where it, it uh, divided dune into two right uh, two tight two communities yes. yeah right yes. like 401 401 i fear and <laughs> think has divided um the cambridge or yeah, hespler well hespler for example came yeah, yeah you know like it, and it's done its division so the big major roads yeah but let's yeah. talk about let's I, I want to go to a specific example about planning and, and your involvement and this is the lrt uh the, the oh. ion and the work you were doing uh with the citizens committee uh yeah. during the pre-development uh, or while the development was going on but anyway looking at planning uh and and why don't you describe the work you were doing in that citizens committee um all right um I'm going to backtrack um, because uh, in 2003, the province, and I believe now we have a different government. um, Is it the liberal government? In 2003, Uh, I think it was. Okay. So um, there had been a lot of um, concern about sprawl, urban sprawl and we need more in dense communities and so on. So the province came out with the places to grow. Uh, and um, we hence then in 2003 developed the regional growth management strategy. And this was, this was all about how we are going to protect our farmland and how we're going to be more dense, uh, more compact. We're going to check the urban sprawl and, um, and so uh, we're also looking to develop a new official plan, which right. came up in 2010. Um, and staff proposed then that we have a um, community advisory group uh, to guide this official plan. Uh, and um, that would have representation from social services, health, education, development, uh, engineering, focus, um, culture, heritage, all right, those. So, so it had like government and 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 the public and private business. Is that? Yeah, 
the economic development in Swan, um, and then a couple of agriculture. That was another one that was represented okay. on a community. And so when um, the staff would go up, before the staff would go out with their papers to discuss the, um, what would be planned for the region, they would bring this information to the, um, to the committee to vet uh, and see, you know, how do you think this will go over with the public and, and sort of vet it. And, um, so what sort of things were they vetting? Uh, well, uh, policy for the agricultural areas, uh, um, urban. Well, let's urban. talk about, yeah, I want to focus on the urban where all the stops are and that sort of thing. What, what, what was the policy development like around that? Uh, you mean with the LRT? Are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. Well, we hadn't got to that at all. Not, no, not then. Not well, let's, that. Let's, let's jump to that. <laughs> okay. So in other words, it, it was that. And then, all right. So the other part of that uh, was the planning uh, and land planning. But then we have, as you're mentioning, LRT. And I can say that my most of my council council colleagues were not too uh, interested or supportive of this LRT um, and also too, um, nor were the, um, the municipal staffs that would be involved like planning and engineering. They were not very centered and, and I figured to push back and, and so on. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to jump um, in between here okay. uh, because um, to convince uh, council that this might be a way to uh, control the urban growth. So we're not going out into the farmland or that. Right. Let's go, let's go visit places where they have LRT or the ion, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. LRT rail, rail yeah. transit. Yeah. Right. So, okay, so one of the places they sent us was uh, Portland, Oregon, which was, uh, and we got the story and it was true about how investment was coming back, re-stimulating the downtown, old buildings were rejuvenated. Um, uh, and there, I have to say, Rob, I never saw one intensification building more than 10 stories high. I uh. saw on a three-story, four-story, I saw buildings around parks, uh, public art. Uh, I did see businesses, like small entrepreneurs, and like rejuvenated. Like it, it was such. I thought healthy. Yes, I mean, I didn't have a problem with um, this concept. I did not. I, the LRT, whatever. Right. I saw it. The other example was Calgary, and Calgary has a lot of uh, towers. Yes, downtown. They're downtown. Yeah, nothing's rejuvenated as far as shops and all that. And it's like, you know, like a rail and towers. And so uh, we went, and my perspective was, and I told staff, I have no interest in having, ending up, with the look of Calgary. If you can do Portland, I, I support it. I want that set. 
okay. so, so yeah, so now jump to your citizens committee. You're getting updates, you're getting presentations, your, your group is kind of, are you deciding things or you're just providing so, some guidelines? Just advising and commenting and, yeah. and everything. And, and I will say that more the committee members, they were, they were very supportive of this LRT, especially we're saving farmland. We're not right. going to urban sprawl and the intensification, rejuvenation of our committee walked around. We looked at stores and, and towns and said, okay, this is how this could work. And here's how it's going to be rejuvenated. And also too, the, um, to deal with the pushback, um, primarily going out to the public and the staff, um, the region um, had one of its planners come up with a, um, a strategy visualizing, first of all, looking at where intensification could happen in right. the downtown. So that was part one of the study. And then we have visualizing densities, part two, future possibilities. And yeah. this is a 2007 study, and it should be around if somebody wants to look at it. But you know what was presented there? Shall I go on? <laughs> yeah, tell, just just give me a quick synopsis of what was presented because I think it's interesting to say to show what was presented to what we're getting. Yes. Okay, so a vibrant community retaining historic structures. We had mixed uses, a pedestrian environment, mid-rise apartments. Um, well, how tall is a mid-rise apartment? No bigger than five stories. Six, Five. six stories, four stories. They were, oh, you should see the pictures. They're like beautiful design, um, ground-oriented, stacked tour townhouses. Um, yeah, to a mix of townhouses and apartments. And um, didn't you say to me uh, that ten stories was the highest? Uh, that in Portland, ten stories. Yes. So, so <laughs> six stories, combo, no rise. Right. And, and, and this, this was a message that went out. And honestly, it, it looked great. Honestly, how could it? And, and people came around. So, yeah. So, so, so that was sort of the vi vision, but I don't think we have that now, do we? Well, I'm looking for it. <laughs> no. And, uh, and, and also too, I remember, comments coming forward that there were those people who said you know you're just going to build something that only very well off people can afford was there a dynamic gene between the regional staff and your committee for example in terms of how tall you wanted these wanted buildings to be in the urban core no we, because we were told you know four five six story ah, okay. a combo, a combo Low rise apartment and townhouses. Max. So you were all on the same page. You were all on the same page on this then. Yes, and like a very livable, pedestrian oriented community, um, uh, reviving, reviving our like mixed, you know. So, what are your uh, thoughts about what you're seeing now versus what you thought it was going to be? <laughs> it's challenging. I, <laughs> you know, I, I am, I, to tell you the truth, I'm very disappointed that all we're ending up with shelves of good buildings 
and we're allowing them to go higher and higher and higher. And I have to be frank with you, uh, Rob, because uh, we did, uh, we lived in Toronto while Richard, my husband, went to school. And and I would see these high rises going up. And and, and to me, um, you know, the social costs uh, that were coming out of those, like the concentration of, of one type of building, um, we we're getting one type of um, one type for people to live in the downtown and one type to live out in the burbs. And I, you know, how do we how do we encourage these people to come into the like into the down urban centers? There's not enough variety, not enough mix from your perspective. Absolutely not. And we're having, you know, I, you know, I'm thinking the cost of the future, we've got concrete, concrete, steel, and glass, gray, black, and white. Are are we, are we, are we leaning towards Calgary? Are we leaning towards Portland? Calgary. (laughs) Calgary. Let's let's move on for, because we're we're almost out of time, but, uh, and I'll segue this way. One of the things, one of the nice things about the various stations that we see along the LRT is, is the public art. And I know public art is is a big thing for you. So why don't you talk about, uh, public art while you were a regional counselor? Right. So, um, there was no policy for public art when I got to, um, the region and in with the cities um each one had public art policies and we had contests and and placement and suggested pieces and so when the airport came about which was maybe around 2003 yeah the royal wellington airport just uh our for everyone our um kitchener or the sorry the one at breslau or the region <laughs> airport whatever it's yeah. called now yeah <laughs> And uh, I said, uh, where's the public art? And um, anyway, well, what's that all about? Why would you put money in public art? Um, And and luckily, the um, CEO for the region had just returned from his- Jerry Jerry Thompson, you were saying, came back from (laughs) Barcelona. And and, as you know, Barcelona is very uh, lively with art and architecture. Anyway, so he sounded off and about uh, sort of the uh, the look of the community, and yes, we will have public art, and that started the, the policy there. But um, and um, it, uh, one of the downsides is that uh, there's a limited amount. Of, I forget what they uh, have allocated, but there is an allocation of public art. And right. yeah. There, there's, yeah, there's an ongoing commitment to public yeah. art. There'll be a question yeah. about how big the commitment should be. Yeah. Is it too much? Is it not enough? I, I'm in the ear camp. It's not enough, as you know, from my own uh, yeah. law office and everything I do over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big promoter and believer yeah. in public art, uh, and it just adds more vibrancy to your community. Gene, I just want to ask you, we're, we're sort of going to wrap up, but I just want to ask you, reflecting on your time as a regional counselor, your time in office, what what, uh, what are some of the things you're most proud of? Um, I, I, I can't um, not say that uh, having the governor's house in jail, the Waterloo County Jail, and that was uh, designated. Um, we now have a, the uh, garden that's beside it. And um, the commitment 
to keeping that um, up, like maintain and the maintenance and and you reuse and that that's very good. But uh, I also was really happy with the engineering division uh, when they um, uh, they took on and and said yes, um, the ten historic bridges uh, that we have and uh, rejuvenate them like the Freeport Bridge, um, Bridgeport Bridge, um, the one in New Hampshire, Hartman Bridge. There are many more bridges that the region has, but historic, and they have engaged with money and so on. Okay, roundabouts, um, I am really pleased with the one in Bridgeport. And I, I have to give credit to the project engineer uh, that was on that and working the historic uh, bridge, the arch bridge, and the roundabout. And oh, okay. So you're saying they were the engineering to get that roundabout in without impacting the historic bridge that's there yes. over the grant, right? Yeah, and also the landscaping features that went in there, and and you know, I, I'm and I think it has few accidents at that one. Um, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I know. But listen, Gene, I have to wrap it up here. I'm sorry. I mean, there's so much more we, I know we could talk about, but I know you're doing so much more great work in the community. And I know I'm going to bump into you from time to time. And given your Lieutenant Governor's Award, I'll make sure I bow appropriately when I see you. <laughs> well, maybe, I mean, if you bring that uh, tax budget now, maybe... <laughs> Um, <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah. Hey, Gene, listen, thanks. Uh, I'm glad we were able to hook up, and, and, yeah. and thanks for coming on uh, today's show. All right. Thank you. Take care.